0: You're listening to Broadcast Behind the Screens, the podcast brought to you by Broadcast and Broadcast Intelligence. This week, we're joined by the commissioning duo of Ben Pfau and Sebastian Cardo to discuss all things Channel 5, Paramount and more.
1: Hi everyone and welcome back after a little halfway break. If in that time you've forgotten our names, I'm Heather Fallon, I'm a reporter at Broadcast.
0: I'm Alice Redman and I'm Head of Content at Broadcast Intelligence. So Alice, we are back and following a little mid-season break, we're going
1: to be releasing our podcast on a Wednesday for the rest of this season's run.
0: Yep, so uh, set your Google Calendar alerts, we'll be dropping you a new episode every Wednesday instead of every Monday. We've got four more apps to go for this series and then we'll take a short break after these next four episodes and be back, hopefully in the autumn
1: i know that you will miss
0: us but we will also be doing a special episode at edinburgh if you see us walking around with our little microphones stop and say hi and you might get featured
1: moving on to today we are indeed recording on the hottest day of the year and also the hottest day that has ever been in the uk so i think before we melt away and lose our minds completely let's fast forward straight on to our green lights of the week So my green light of the Week is what I hope will make for a very juicy documentary, especially going on the back of Channel 4's privatisation, which is currently hanging in the balance with everything that's going on at the moment. I think if you are in the UK, you should be aware that Boris Johnson has recently resigned and there is currently a leadership debate going on, all of which uh, could have massive implications for Channel 4 privatisation it's very interesting times but on the back of that 72 Films is making a documentary it's currently got the working title of Boris and it's a four-part series about his rise and his fall with kind of archive footage interviews and I'm just a sucker for these documentaries I think I was talking to you about I loved the New Labour one on the BBC and the Thatcher one and 72 have got a great track record so I just think it'll be really good I'm gonna be all over it
0: I also think it's so interesting when I remember growing up and I always loved documentaries but they were always about the past past mm. and now documentaries have moved on quite a lot and they're more likely to be about the recent past and when it's something you've lived through I think it is that little bit more oh I remember that and a little bit more interesting
1: yeah, it's always mad when you watch these things and you see a clip of something that you remember watching firsthand on the news, but maybe it's just kind of erased from your brain because there's so many other things going on. So it's quite helpful to have a thread which just puts everything together succinctly.
0: Mm, I'm looking forward to that one as well. But my green light of the Week is a little bit more lighter in tone and it hails from Sky Comedy Team. It's a series called Dreamland. Um, I think someone might have made this comedy up just for me it's a <laughs> series based on a short of the same name which I haven't heard of hadn't heard of until I saw the news about the green light but I'm gonna be looking out for but it's starring my number one girl crush Lily Allen but it's also got Freema Agyeman, who was in Doctor Who and she was Martha who was my ah. favourite <laughs> She was my favorite Doctor Who companion. We set in Margate, which is one of my favorite places to go. We love um, Margate. We, do, we and Heather actually went to Margate together <laughs> on a little, not even a work trip, little a little romantic weekend. <laughs> little romantic weekend away together to see Self Esteem, um, who is one of our top wishes for this podcast. So just putting out into the TV world, if anyone wants to commission self-esteem slash Rebecca Lucy Taylor for a TV show, so we have an excuse to have her on the podcast, just just know you'll be making two Real gals' dreams come true.
1: Absolutely. I mean, she was on Channel 4 Gogglebox, so we're, we're making our way over.
0: She's getting close, <laughs> and she's been featured on Love Island twice now, so that has to be her music. But anyway, back to Dreamland. It's also from Merman, and I love anything Merman do. Um, Clelia Mountford and Shan Horgan are just great at tricky family dynamics they're great at women-centric comedy I think with Lily and Freema like I'm just so bloody excited for it so yeah I think someone's
1: great I hadn't seen that on my radar but um I'm promptly going to log on to BI after this and have a look
0: (laughs) as you should so This week we spoke to the commissioning duo of Ben Frow and Sebastian Cardwell.
1: For those of you who are somehow not in the know, Ben Frow is Paramount UK Chief and Seb Cardwell is Deputy Chief Content Officer and the duo behind all of the success that Channel 5 has recently been enjoying over the past few years and they are now also overseeing the brand new streaming service for the UK, Paramount+. Plus.
0: So we sat down with Ben and Seb and we chatted about all things commissioning, the future of Channel 5, and got some very exclusive information about a Channel 5 big schedule shakeup.
1: Well, lots of opportunities for producers incoming, so let's take a listen. Hello everyone. For this podcast, we are so thrilled to introduce Paramount UK Chief Ben Frau and Deputy Chief Content Officer, Seb Cardwell. Hello.
0: Hello. Hi, welcome to Broadcast Behind the Screens. It's so exciting to have you both. <laughs> we kept um, joking that we're like the duo of Broadcast and you guys are the duo of Paramount, so we were like fitting <laughs> for it to be a double interview.
1: A of the minds. <laughs> Well, for any broadcast listener, you guys don't need any introduction, but we thought that if anyone stumbled across this podcast or they need a little refresher, the first thing we could do is get you both to tell us what your roles are and what you guys have been up to over the past couple of months. Ben, maybe we'll start with you and then we'll jump to Seb.
2: Well, I'm sort of, I suppose I'm ultimately responsible for all the content across free-to-air, you know, Channel 5 and the digital channels, Uh, My Five, Pluto, and Paramount Plus, commissioning, acquisitions, scheduling, and marketing. You wouldn't know that a lot of the time, Uh, so it doesn't feel like that a lot of the time. But ultimately, I'm, yeah, I'm the one who has to try and hit the targets uh, and be responsible for uh, bringing in the money, making the right decisions, spending the money in the right way etc cetera, etc cetera. and most importantly taking overall responsibility for se- success
3: failure or otherwise seven, seven does most of the work <laughs> uh, well my role is to do what ben tells me to do which i right. don't always do but i uh, I, I, I do sometimes and other times i might disagree and then you know stuff happens um uh, so i work under ben um i um I mean, we work together on all sorts of different parts of the businesses. So, we, you know, we do Week to Press together, which is where we all get together and decide, you know, what what's going to go into the schedule. Um, we, um, uh, uh, we go through lists of ideas together. I also oversee drama, um, which is kind of slightly on its own at the moment, because um, it's a newer genre for us. Um, I work with um, Paul Tester, who's our new drama commissioner, and we um, uh, look after all the scripted projects. But I also have um, a background in, in the digital channels, which is a smaller satellite channel. So I work very closely with the um, digital team over there. And I also work closely with our acquisitions team. But ultimately, it's it all Ben's responsibility. So, so well, if it fails, the, it's his fault. The,
2: the, the truth is, you know, we bring very different things to the table, I think. And, and we work very closely with other people within the department. I mean, I sit out there, you know, with the team. A, a lot of the decisions are made with a group of people all just having a conversation. It's very unhierarchical, I have an incredibly flat structure. I like to work directly with either, either a commissioner or with a, uh, a scheduler. I don't like have conversations being repeated down, down the line. Uh, Seb's experience in drama, his experience in the digital channels, his experience in acquisitions uh, are all uh, skill sets that I don't have, but I probably have a bit more experience about you know setting a vision and deciding where we're gonna go and managing upwards in inverted commas. and. Uh, dealing with the politics and you know those those kind of things and sometimes you have to make decisions that you really don't want to make but you know the business would require it but I think I think it works really well and it works well because we're small we're lean we're mean and everybody can have a voice at the table it's sometimes quite loud it's sometimes quite robust the conversations which is maybe why we've all been moved to the very end of the office I did I did raise the point that if I'm the the beating heart of the organisation and content is king, how come we're stuck in a very small dark corner? But I think it might be that we are quite a loud, robust, joyous, noisy, creative bunch of people who have a lot of fun and and, 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 uh, there are a lot of voices at the table with thoughts and ideas on how we can be the best we can be against the competition.
0: And that's kind of, you know... The past five years have gone on. I mean, you're in such a different place, but still the same loud, noisy, creative bunch of people that you were when commissioning was maybe, dare I say, a little bit more simpler when it was just kind of my five, Channel 5, all the Channel 5 digital channels and things. And now you've got all the Paramount channels and you've got a big global streamer. How has that changed your roles day to day?
3: Well, I mean, on the drama side, it's... (laughs) It's, it's ramped up the, the well, it's, look, it's ramped up the number of decisions we have to make. I, I'd also say it's kind of ramped up the pressure of those decisions. Suddenly, you know, I, I think, you know, when we're doing a Channel 5 drama, there are obviously huge budgets for the Channel 5 schedule, but they're not massive outlays of, of finance for the business, which is obviously, you know, made up of all sorts of different companies and they're used to dealing in kind of multi-million dollar productions. And then suddenly you're doing Paramount+. Plus. And then you're looking at a show and figures come in and it's like four, five, six, seven million dollars an hour. And it's like, wow, um, you know, we can't afford to um, mess this up. You know, this has really got to land. So I think I think I think the pressure of the decision um, is maybe slightly changed. But I don't know. Ultimately, though, I still think it's the same thing. I still think you're trying to find shows for an audience. This time they're trying to pay for it rather than, you know, the bums on seats um, approach that we take on free TV. And, you know, we're, we're, we're still trying to fuel the machine that is our SVOD. And we're still just trying to, to do what we were doing. To free. I mean, it's not hugely different to what we do in free TV.
2: But when you're dealing with a, a global stream, there are more people involved and there yeah. are more opinions. So the, the purity and the clarity of just doing free to air Channel 5 and the digital channels where, you know, I made a decision. We just got on with it and, and it, we were completely left alone to do what we wanted to do uh, as long as we delivered success. it it does not exist on a streamer. It is, there are more voices at the table. There are more questions asked. There are more people who are involved. There are more opinions that you take on board. There are more thoughts to be involved in the process, which, you know, uh, can be exhilarating and can be incredibly challenging. If you're someone like me, who's used to just Doing what they like, when they like, how they like, and nobody really questions it. And suddenly, everyone's asking a lot of questions. So, I have had to learn to think in a different way, and um, not always successfully, and to maybe um, not always have the last word, uh, which is unusual. Uh, and, and certainly, when the I, I would say, for said for, for the for the dramas, the global dramas are much more complicated than the than the the, the, the pure UK drama, although drama is never as easy as doing factual, um, I would say, Um, so there are nuances there, but at the end of the day, as I said, you know, content is content and um, I think I speak for us both and and the rest of the department when we when I say that uh, we we apply the same thinking to content, whether it's for a digital channel, a free to air channel, a streamer or whatever It, it is. Who is it for? Why would they watch it? Will it engage? Do we believe in it for our customer, our audience, our subscriber? Because uh, the one thing that does undermine everything we do is that it's not about us, it's not about our CV, it is about the people out there uh, and wanting the people, the audiences to come, whether it's to -to free-to-air or whether it's to a streamer. So we always put the audience first.
1: And you're speaking about how you're kind of measuring success. When you look at Paramount Plus versus Channel 5, how do you measure success on paramount plus especially when it comes to originals will you be looking at subscriber counts subscriber growth are you looking at series completion rates because you guys are quite a unique model where you're a psb with a streamer attached which is like nothing else that the other psbs are doing so how do you measure paramount plus versus channel five for instance
2: well i would say uh, it's very early days i mean it's only been what three or four weeks so uh, obviously subs are very important we're not doing it to not get subs. I think it's far too early to say, and, and the people who will do be doing the. I mean, there's various ways of measuring. There's you know how long people watched for, and you know what really punched through, and what drove more people to subscribe originally. And I think you know as as we acclimatise more to being involved with a, with a with an SVOD, um, we will learn different ways of looking at things, um, and we will we will all learn about what we should do more of and what we should do less of. We are very much though, dominated by the US you know it is it is essentially a massive pipeline coming from the US to which we contribute with UK uh, originals both in drama and factual so i'm 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 not sure at the end of the day, exactly. Ask me in a year's time, and we'll have a clear idea about how we are being measured, and how we feel about success versus not success, because something that we might consider a ratings failure on linear might be an SVOD success, and and it sits on an SVOD for a lot longer. It's not just sort a 24-hour window or a seven-day catch-up, so there are different ways of looking at it. For linear it's the overnight since consolidation it's the same old same old uh you know and they still remain very important if you if you want to stay competitive I think they're very still very important
0: and I want to circle back to something you said and particularly in reference to drama because you said that it's not about whether we like it it's not for our careers it's not we have to think about the audience first and leave kind of yourselves at the door a little bit and for drama I think, especially when you speak to drama commissioners, they're like, "I don't, I can't brief on what I want because all I want is a good story, all I want is a good plot." How how do you know that you are kind of enjoying something for, and it's suitable for one audience rather than the other versus you know something just being like, "Oh, this is just amazing."
3: um It's funny. I hear quite often this phrase that in drama commissioning, and it's been uttered to me just this week actually, where people say. You know, I just think what you've got to do is get a great story and the great story is going um, gonna to work. I, it, I don't think that's as simple. I, I, I think that's part of the job. The first part is to find a top line, to find a subject matter, to find something that is going to compel our viewers to watch. I think that's when the story comes in. I always say to drama companies, I'm like, my job is to look through, like, you know, 10 of your titles. And I always encourage them to send me in a paragraph rather than scripts or five page treatment because really I'm here to represent the viewer and the viewer doesn't give you that much of their time. They've had a hard day at work, they're having a glass of wine, they're flipping through the channels, they might have seen a promo, they might not, they might read the synopsis, they might just see the title. I do yeah, think that's probably the single biggest difference maybe between how we commission, and I don't know because I don't know the, the, the ways that other um, uh, channels or, or, or platforms commission, but I sent from my conversation that that is a, maybe unique to us, is that we're always thinking um, in, in terms of that top line. And, and, and that comes from, I think, the way that Ben commissions on factual, certainly the way that I've learned to commission. You get them in, and then you work really hard to keep them. And that's where casting character, narrative, plot, you know, making sure that our you know, cliffhangers across the break and each episode's really strong. That's when it all all works.
1: Just as important as Paramount Plus is your core remit of Channel 5. And you guys have been making some really big plays in daytime. You've really shook up the schedule there with these big 80-part orders. Neighbours is going. It feels like there's a big period of change happening on Channel 5. So I'd love to get into that and how you're balancing having all these new plays, but also keeping those big staples like your Bargain Brit's
2: you know, i often think that daytime is is um underappreciated it is the foundation of the church if you have a strong daytime it does enable you to do so much in peak and it can be it can help prevent disaster for years we haven't invested in, in daytime and we've utilized secondary content brilliantly but um there are a couple of things that we wanted to do we did we've always wanted to make the news an hour We've always felt that a half an hour news bulletin at 5.30 was problematical. So we finally decided to do that and Ofcom agreed to that, which was great. So we could invest more in news and make it five to six. Then there was, of course, the neighbours' decision. And and in a way, we wanted to make changes to daytime and look at it and refresh it. And then we were sort of forced to as well. The truth about doing, you know, big orders is that Daytime is as much about people's lifestyle and what they do when and it becomes part of their routine. You know, when do I have a cup of tea? When do I have a piece of cake? When do I take a nap? When do I go out and do my shopping? And you mess with daytime at your peril. So, so far, the news has done well. The extension to Jeremy Vine has done well. Putting Bargain Brits in in the sun, which is a primetime show, into 4pm has done well. But you know what? If you're going to do a daytime order, you've got to do at least four, five, six weeks worth of content. And in the end, we decided to just put our money onto um, a few things and 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 roll the mm-hmm. dice. And, and, and I hope to God, <laughs> I hope to God, I've got eighty hours of like. Terrible programming, sitting on a shelf that I can't fuck, I'm going to have a, a daytime program mountain. Do you remember the butter mountain? I could have a daytime program mountain. <laughs> that said, we're very good at utilising content across the schedule. There's always seven o'clock, there's six o'clock, there's weekend daytime. So we've always got our mind as to how we can utilise content effectively and make sure that given our tight budgets, we do try and make them wash their faces. We're, we're really smart that way. So there, there are other places that we can play these, these key shows if they don't work in their ideal daytime slot. But the idea is, is, is to refresh daytime and, and keep daytime being a, a, a core engine driver of our of our success. So, would you agree?
3: I would agree. I, and, and I would say that the bets that we've taken, you, you know, uh, I think are quite canny. We can see evidence of similar types of shows working um, elsewhere and also kind of on our channels. They don't feel too radical. They don't feel that, that too alienating for, for that audience who are potentially you know out there and, and who would still watch us um despite losing neighbors and also we have the tv movie don't forget you know the tv movie has been the, the the kind of um driver of audiences in the afternoon on, on channel five for years and years and years now it may may be that we have to do a little bit of work on our on our tv movies because it, they'll lose the inheritance that they get from neighbors but again it's something that we're, we're talking about and, and working on as well it's potentially an opportunity losing neighbours as well, because actually what we can do is we can um, we can stack similar shows and try and bring the audience down. We can we can we can you know hopefully hold on to viewers. What you generally find with the soaps is that soap viewers, especially the Australian soap viewers, they come in just for neighbours and then they sometimes they they quite often leave again. So if we can kind of stack two or three hours of a similar type of show, which we, which 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 our competitors do all the time, whether it's Game shows on one channel or holiday shows on another channel, very close to us, um, uh, we can replicate that success. So there's there's an opportunity there.
0: Yeah, please don't lose the afternoon movies. My grandma would be very sad.
3: And and, and Christmas afternoon movies is like our big, big thing. Um, And we're going to really rely on this year because the World Cup's in November. So um, if anything was, you know, good enough to um, get us out of that um, tricky situation, it's got to be Christmas afternoon movies. Touch wood.
2: I would have positioned that slightly differently, Seb, I would have said, and we're lucky to be able to offer a wonderful alternative to those viewers who don't (laughs) want to watch football (laughs) in daytime. With some lovely Christmas movies. So, if you don't like football, I would ask you to watch Channel Five, where we will provide providing wonderful alternative programming. To yes, many.
3: absolutely. Probably starting late late October, knowing us.
2: Yeah, we tend to start a week earlier every year. <laughs> depending on how bad the ratings have been. Yeah.
0: Amazing, and obviously you're famously throughout the industry, you know, a small, nimble, quick team. Good to answer. Good to speak to but you've added all of this extra paramount plus commissioning onto your remit how are you splitting time are you finding that you're having to say like today's a channel 5 day today's a paramount day are you kind of taking it as it comes
3: i i, I don't know if there's a what would you say i don't know if there's a percentage I think we, we just react to what needs to be done. We shift and then we probably move across. The, I mean, it's almost like putting out fires. You, you, you're you spinning plates. And when one of, the, one of the plates starts to wobble, you've suddenly got to quickly dash across and, and start trying to prop that up again.
2: Yeah, I certainly think in the lead up to the launch, it was um, very much all consuming for a lot of people. Now it has launched. And given the fact that I think uh, people are reassured and encouraged by how it's performing, I feel very strongly that we now need to just uh, take a step back and, and just spend a bit more time on, on the free to air portfolio, Pluto, things like that. There's no denying, certainly from the Commissioner's point of view, the commissioning a programme for a streamer is suddenly so much more exciting than commissioning a programme for free to air. To me, there's kind of no difference. Uh, you know, it's, it's content, it's about the audience, it's about engaging with them, it's about making it must-see. So there has had to be a little kind of, okay, we all need to just calm down. Can we not just talk about Paramount Plus ideas, please? Can we also talk about free-to-air ideas? You know, we mustn't take our eye off this juggernaut that is our free-to-air portfolio. And and it's important that we keep free-to-air as robust as possible because... Streams. you invest a huge amount of money in a streamer up front, and it takes a while to start to get that money back. So while we're growing Paramount+, and it has very ambitious, and I hope we will succeed in hitting those ambitions, targets for growth, we've also got to make sure that our free-to-air portfolio uh, keep delivering. We've also got Pluto to grow. So we have, as I said, we've got a lot of plates to um, keep spinning. And and the message I keep wanting to put out to the, the teams is that, that every plate is important, and we can't just abandon one plate and all pivot round and just face in a different direction. So we are in a completely unique position compared to our uh, our other rival broadcasters uh, with a much smaller team, which I find I find quite extraordinary and also quite exhilarating. You know, we are nobody has to do what I have to do when it comes to content, or what Seb has to do, or what the commissioners have to do when it comes to content, because nobody has an A-vod, A VOD, a B VOD, an S VOD and a free to air portfolio. Uh, we are unique people in the um, in the broadcasting ecosystem with a unique with unique jobs and less people than anybody else. But so far, we're doing it pretty well.
1: I was just going to ask if there's any areas because you've got so many plots to cover at the moment. Are there any genres? Are there any slots, for instance, that you're particularly keen to focus on now? Now that things are kind of starting to settle with paramount are you really like we desperately need another factual series or where where's the where's the gaps now
2: so seb why don't you tell them about we, 48, oh. hours, 48 hours ago we decided we need a schedule shake yeah. and we literally have culled about 20 series
3: so yeah, so, so... This is an example
2: um, of how we work, really.
3: Yeah, it, yeah, schedule shake-up. It's got a bit of, like, oomph to it, hasn't it? So so, um, so, so, this is Channel 5. So, you know, there's no denying that um, uh, free TV, it, you know, not just us, but across all channels, is struggling at the moment. Whilst the shares are amazing, volumes are, like, significantly down. Um, and, and you kind of feared that it it's only going to get worse. And we, we were kind of looking at the schedule, and obviously all of our attention has been on Paramount Plus, and we've kind of shifted back to Channel 5. And we're just kind of saying, you know, we've lost a little bit of spark. We, we're in desperate need of freshening up our returnable, especially at 9pm. 9 9pm, 9 you know, finding a 9pm returnable show is like incredibly difficult at the moment. So we, we so I suggested we do a schedule shake-up. We, we've got the schedulers in the room and basically we're going to go through the schedule. And if a show wasn't performing, if, we, if it wasn't delivering on one of the things it needs to deliver on, which is either, you know, p- providing ratings at, uh, uh, in its slot or maybe it has increased utility because it could play on one of the digital channels or maybe it does a job on my five. If it wasn't, you know, hitting at least one or two of those kind of, um, you know, asks, then we're going to kill it. We're going to cull the show because because we need to do something to force ourselves into finding the next batch of returning shows. And then also it was was about looking at the schedule and sometimes we're, we're, we're good in that we, we shift the days around. And if something's feeling a little bit tired, we might spot an opportunity on another day and we can, or, or in a different time slot, and we can take a show and we can breathe it back to life by putting it somewhere else. So it, it, it began as that. And then it just kind of ended into um, a session where we killed loads of shows, basically. So apologies to anyone who's going to get an email. Soon. Yeah,
2: it's, it, you know, but also it's, it's so boring just recommissioning the same old shows. And if and if we're feeling kind of like not very excited, not very inspired, why should we expect viewers to to feel differently? And if if we want to stay, you know, ahead of the game, if we want to stay vital in people's lives, if we want to be a a popular destination, if we want to continue to hold our audience share or grow our audience share, as we are doing this year um, and continue to make money, then we have to work really, really hard. To uh, uh get those viewers' attention. There's a lot of shiny toys out there, there's a lot of choice for people. Um, so I think complacency is a is a is a is a terrible thing. And um, you know, the commissioners love to have a lot of hit shows, which is great, but sometimes you've just got to get rid of some of the, you've just got to clear some space for new ideas. And I, I think this is about very few ideas out there that I'm hearing, which make me feel excited. And there's very little on other channels that make me feel excited. And I think part of the thinking behind this is if we force ourselves into a situation where we have these holes we are going to have to make some decisions uh, and we're going to have to try new things and they won't always work but as I've I've said quite a lot recently you know the one thing we must be allowed to do is to take risks we must be able to try new things because if you don't keep reviving and evolving and growing and changing uh, it's just a slow death and I I've always said, I don't want to manage decline. I'm not interested in managing decline. That does not excite me. I still believe that Channel 5 free-to-air portfolio can grow. And this year, off the back of a record-breaking year last year, we are continuing to grow. But we do that because we are rigorous about every single program title and as a as a as a group of people we worked so hard on where are we playing it and why are we playing it and is it an alternative and how do we promote it and who is it for and why are they going to watch it etc and it, it it's it's a slight obsession of mine because if we're going to go down let's go down all guns blazing I cannot bear the idea of going down and failing because we simply couldn't be bothered or it was just you know one decision too many to make so I do kind of rely on everybody to marshal their wits and uh, arm themselves up on a Tuesday at five o'clock to make that week's press meeting as Mm. vibrant and as effective as it possibly can be. And of course, it all comes back to what is the content? You know, if you've got the content, you can have a fair fight. If you haven't got the content, you might as well just roll over. So yeah,
1: you have to be very brave to do that as well. Because I mean, I think a lot of commissioners would be very hesitant to cut what is a you know a reliably popular show in favor of, of shaking up the new
2: but, but it, it's a balance isn't it because you were asking about new genres and I think one of the things we do need is new genres look we have a lot of successful medical shows we have a lot of successful police shows you know we've got a, a, a variety of uh a hugely successful variety of celebrity travel led shows etc cetera, etc cetera. And, and, and it's interesting, you know, you find a hit show like, you know, I can't remember what our first medical show was probably, you know, casualty 24-7. And then, you know, and then we did a and A After Dark and then we did Critical Condition. It's great. And you sort of build up a sort of portfolio and then you kind of go, OK, enough, but enough. You can't just do another one of those. And success can breed paralysis and success can just make you keep adding on, you know, sometimes you keep adding on extensions to the house and actually, you know, in the end of the day, it just it stops working. And you kind of go, yeah, I need to knock the whole house down. And it just builds build from scratch. So, um, yeah, it is brave, but it's also necessary because if we don't do it and we don't do it in a sort of controlled environment kind of way, all we will do be doing is managing decline. And uh, we know that one or two big shows can transform a schedule, transform a platform, transform a channel and, and lead you in a whole new direction that can keep you alive and vibrant for you know months and years ahead.
1: So are there any genres in particular that you're looking to lean into now with this big shakeup? For instance, would you consider doing an entertainment show? Would that be something that you would look at now? Or is it still
3: new spaces within well-established genres? I, I don't think we do an entertainment show. I, I I feel like we've we've gone down that route and it was it was it worked for a bit, but you know, it's difficult. And it's expensive. Um, and it's not like drama where you can offset the risk by, you know, deficit financing and, and and tax credits and things like that. So I think that would be difficult. I mean, in terms of new genres, it's really difficult. Um, uh, we've talked about doing a game show. Uh, uh, where It may happen, it may not happen. Um, we've talked about how we... Uh, appeal to more men. I don't think we've been particularly prescriptive. I mean, we've only just shaken up the schedule, if um, yeah, yeah, uh, I'm <laughs> being really honest. <laughs> I mean, we haven't really thought it through, you know, no, to haven't. that great extent. Slightly. Let's just say we've created an enormous
2: problem and we don't have an answer to the problem yeah, we exactly. created yet.
3: this is but This is kind of seat of your pants kind of time kind yeah. of stuff, I guess.
2: But, but you know, we, we are certainly sending out a message saying it's an opportunity for new stuff to come in. I'm just, I, I, we've got to kind of force a kind of creative renewal and that's what we're going to do you know would we do property why would we do property there's so much property on our main competitor it's kind of like it's wall-to-wall property it's like it's kind of it's like it's heart sinking um it, it probably isn't entertainment but you know look there may be a new sort of cross genre uh, it let's be creative let's try and be brave and who knows you know look maybe maybe there'll be a big you know big drama series that comes into prime time during the week that will that will shift us and you know it, it just takes one move and suddenly you're going in a new direction so to, again talk to us in a year's time and we'll be able to go well we did this and it didn't work or we did that and it did work or we did that and this is what it led to that's assuming that we're both still in jobs because we could have been fired because we and the load up, shows didn't have an answer hugely <laughs> big, yeah.
3: big summer shake-up just backfired
0: yeah <laughs> And I'm just aware, like, of timings. But if anyone, say, just to start wrapping up, if anyone is listening and they're like, yep, I think I've got it, I think I've got what you guys need, what pitching advice would you give to them? Like, what works well when it lands in your inbox and what do you see and you think, why did you do that?
2: Okay, well, I'm just going to... You have got to, got to, got to understand the broadcaster that you're pitching to. You know, there's no point in plucking an idea out of thin air... Or going to the bottom drawer and pulling out some old ideas from 1975 that may have no relevance to where we are now or more importantly who we are now who channel five and who the free to air portfolio and who paramount plus are now please I, I i'm going to try hopefully do more about this in in my edinburgh um controller session if you look at channel five what works what doesn't work if you get the ratings look at the ratings where are we scoring where are we not scoring Find a solution. I keep saying to people, if you were in my job, what would you schedule at nine o'clock on a Friday? If you were in my job, what would, do you think would be the answer at seven o'clock on a Saturday and why? Think like a broadcaster, because what we need from the production community are ideas that solve problems for us, of which we now have many because we've just shaken up the schedule and killed a whole load of shows. So we've made a, a, a challenging situation much worse for ourselves. We do come up with a lot of ideas and we come up with a lot of ideas because we look at our schedule and we go Wednesday at eight o'clock. What would you play up against Double Coronation Street and X, Y and Z? Friday at nine o'clock up against Gogglebox, Sunday night at eight o'clock up against Antiques Roadshow. And blah, 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 blah. What, who are the available audience? Who's watching that? Who's left to watch this? So that would be my big piece of advice. Don't pitch anything unless you've really thought about why would that play on Channel 5? Who is it for and what problem will it solve? What about you, sir?
3: Well, I mean, I'd echo all of that. I'm not sure there's really um, uh, uh, that much else I would, would add. Uh, I, I guess the one thing I, I would potentially say is part of the schedule Shake-Up is, is not just about ideas coming in. It also is going to force us and the commissioning team into thinking about um, solutions as well and we work very differently than many other broadcasters whereby you have to have a relationship with us and sometimes yeah we'll 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 come up with a very kind of simplistic top line of a show that we think might work and then you know we throw it over to um, one of the commissioners and then they go out there and find a production company to 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 bring it to life and and Ben uses the example all the time and when we came up with Dinosaur it was but she just we were sat in a room, and I said, "Oh, let's do something about the dinosaurs." Ben said, "We'll just call it dinosaur." We called in Guy. Ben said, "We're doing a show called Dinosaur." There was no more editorial steer than that, and then Guy had to go away and think yeah. about how that translated to three hours of the schedule at nine o'clock. Um, so it's, I, I I have a feeling the schedule shakeup may create a few more of those type of conversations because you know the the gaps in the schedules are approaching very fast, and and sometimes maybe there'll be something in the zeitgeist or Ben will come in from, I don't know, his morning commute and he might have seen a poster or passed WH Smiths and seen a book and it might have triggered some kind of synapses in his brain and there's a kind of creative thought there and that leads onto a conversation and then that leads onto a programme title and then the next thing you know, you're trying to make it. I think I think that hopefully will now happen as a result of shake up and
2: and, and going back to the beginning of the conversation you know that is why I sit out with the team that is why you're having everybody around you know somebody's having a conversation you overhear it somebody's talking about something they watched and you join in the conversation you go oh maybe we could take that bit out of that and if you add it into that you've created something else we have endless meetings but the majority of the creativity doesn't come from sitting in meetings and then being given a PowerPoint presentation or being pitched from independence. It's from a group of people sitting around and having a conversation about stuff, or just about life. And you go, oh, gosh, three people talking about, you know, raising children or four people talking about commuting or 10 people worrying about their, uh, you know, their holidays falling apart because of the travel chaos. And should we do this? Should we do that? Should we do heatwave coming? Should we do heatwave? Should we do burning Britain? Should we do, I don't know, whatever, whatever, whatever. It's interaction with people that creates ideas, that leads to titles, that then get dumped onto commissioning editors who have to try and turn them into programmes with poor production companies. But that's how it works. And somehow, so far, it's been incredibly successful. It's just like deeply organic and very fast, not overthinking. Less thinking, more doing. So now we've done the doing, which is cancel a whole load of shows. And now we're going to have to do some of the thinking about what the hell are we going
0: to do now? I uh, would love to be a fly on the wall in those conversations. Some <laughs> they're of the things, they're, they're fun. Yeah, I can they're imagine. <laughs> and maybe let's do this without thinking too much about it. What What are some of your kind of favourite shows on other channels at the moment? What are some of your all-time favourites? What's just great TV to you guys?
3: Oh, what am I watching at the moment? I watch endless episodes of Diners, Drive-Ins and what's it called? What's that show with Guy Ferrari? where he just eats, eats food that I want to eat. Like, <laughs> oh, that's what I, I want. No wonder you're struggling to lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> you get, he visits three places and, like, he shows you how you make the food and then, like, he eats it. It's like my ideal life, basically. I watch that. What else do I watch?
1: I'll say now that we asked this question to Hugo Chegwin uh, the other day and he said that his favourite show is Bargain Brits and the Sun. He's obsessed with it. He says he, says he
0: watches it to get inspiration for his characters and, like, right. writes shows well, from it. So It's hey, one yeah. of my favourite
2: shows. I think it's a very... It's, it's almost a perfect Channel 5 show because it's so life-affirming and
3: inclusive. Mm. What do you watch, Ben? Oh, you God. watch QBC well, every you day. Know,
2: you, know, well, I, you know, I go to bed so early. So I, I, I loved Rita. I, I just... I'm I very under-acknowledged, uh, which I think was on Netflix. You know, and then... I am very influenced by the people around me, so I'm always a bit late to the table, which is ironic considering I'm always trying to be ahead of the curve in terms of content. I'm always late to the table. So, you know, I came to line of Duty in about series five and then, you know, I finally cottoned on to sex education after everybody had watched it. I dip in and out a lot, but I have got that terrible thing that a lot of, the public have which is you watch one episode and then you don't go back for more you watch an episode of something else and you don't go back for more so there's a lot of on your watch list continue watching yeah. back two or three years and then of course you know but i suppose being in television i don't know i, I, I sort of dip in, dip in and out a lot mm. yeah. I, I tell you what i never do i never watch channel four ever 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 on principle and actually i <laughs> i get kind of cross with anybody in my team who i hear is watching competition
3: I actually did watch Channel 4 um, for the first time in a long time last night. I watched Location, Location, Location. So I thought well, that's a great, great show. show. That's your show. So I feel that's okay. Yeah. You're okay to watch that show. Yeah. My wife made me watch it. Okay. That's
2: okay. Yeah. That's okay. I, I, just, that I, I consider that my show.
0: I was just about to make the joke. We just hired a new reporter and she was like, How do you guys keep up with the show? And we were like, Watch Gogglebox. Search Google Books and anyway, you know everything
2: that's going on. Clearly. Well, I couldn't because it'd be like a knife in my heart because it's such yeah. a great show and it's uh, it, it just hurt me too much. Um, so I'm aware of it, and I and I and I, I you know Jay was a genius to, to commission it, uh, and it is it is a game changing show. But I it would just it would just ruin my Friday evenings to be <laughs> tortured at somebody else's success. <laughs> Yeah, something
1: like that. Fantastic. We're wrapping up now, but I really feel an urge to let you guys know that something that has tied me and Alice together for a long time, so I cover Channel 5 now for broadcast and Alice said previously, is we have a bit of a long-running saga that every time Eggheads has received a commission, we do a series of puns afterwards. So I'm going to beg you now to continue to recommission Eggheads so that we can continue to think up more jokes.
2: As long as it's racing, we'll continue to do that. You know, like, if things are working, we'll keep them. We're not stupid. We're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I think, actually, eggheads did brilliantly yesterday. I mean, yesterday was a terrific day. That was a repeat, wasn't it? And it was over 300,000 viewers.
3: Amazing. If only all our repeats did that well. So so are these egg-related puns that you make every time there's an article about egghead? Yes.
0: Yes. I can't remember <laughs> so the first I've one was
3: into a tweet
0: <laughs> channel 5 poaches eggheads
3: oh yeah Ooh,
0: okay. um what's the next one it's Grumble. a
2: cracking good watch
0: oh channel 5 scrambles for more eggheads okay. um I went for 12 yard cracks
1: third series of eggheads very good and then as the overall title it was 12 yard whips up for more eggheads lovely
0: so, yeah, we'll get thinking of our... Uh, not
1: not very many for... yolks
2: in eggheads.
1: Yeah, good yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tweeted that we were over it.
2: Very good. You know, you said we should commission 24 episodes and, and, and then you can commission two dozen. Yeah, very good. Channel <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. Jennifer> 5 commissions <laughs> dozens of eggheads. <laughs> I'm liking this game.
1: 12 yard are going to be very grateful that we just land them a bonus 24 episodes. <laughs> yes.
2: And as just long as they show keeps we keep will keep commissioning it. <laughs>
0: Wow, amazing. That's probably a perfect place to wrap up. So thank you both so much for chatting with us.
2: Pleasure. Very nice to meet you both. And um, to any suppliers out there, please send your scheduling solutions <laughs> to the commissioning editor you have the best relationship with because we've got a lot of holes in next year's schedule.
1: <laughs> think you heard it here exciting. first. <laughs> yeah, that's so thank exciting. You. Thanks so much, guys. Uh it was an absolute pleasure. And you. Yep.
2: thank you.
3: Thank you. Bye. Bye.
0: Um, yeah, so any further egg puns? You know where we both are. Highlight of our careers as journalists,
1: and it's the as I said in a horrible tweet, the thing that binds us both together. <laughs> it is way too hot for us at the moment. We've both lost our minds. It's it's thirty nine degrees, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here. I think.
0: Yep, and we'll be back next week on a Wednesday this time.
1: And if you can't wait for that, we've got some cracking past episodes so please do check them out
0: and don't forget to give us a five star rating wherever you're listening thanks so much and see you next week hopefully it's colder next week bye (laughs)
1: Bye. bye